0: So, before we get to our major topic, that was an intentional pause in case we have to excerpt this for a bonus episode. (laughs) Before we get to the topic uh, at hand, um, Jeff Park, a.k.a. Twitter drama aficionado.
1: (laughs) That's... (laughs) Had some Twitter, yeah, some Twitter I just live for the Twitter drama. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: just such a, such a Twitter dramatic man. Uh, he wanted, he had, he saw something and actually I saw it too. Um, but I wasn't thinking about it in, in such an intentional way as he was. Um, he saw something on Twitter that you wanted to talk about and thought might be valuable to talk about both from a biblical and theological perspective and from a political perspective and uh so how about you set it up for us
1: and and actually it was very useful that we're taking another run of this because um i was actually blocked by this person even though i said nothing (laughs) i i actually didn't interact with him because uh um unlike those unlike those people who always say i uh um i i hate to be at the center of all the drama and then are always at the center of all the drama i really do hate to be at the center of all the drama <laughs> so, and i knew there was nothing but smoke there so i'm going to so save I, this rant I,
0: for later in the conversation
1: that i'm i've got okay. building in me <laughs> Okay, but uh, but I uh, um, so I I had no intention, but I got blocked anyway. So I'm up on Burners Yo, um, so that I can, <laughs> so that I can uh, actually find oh. this uh, this Twitter conversation. You know, Jim, um,
0: actually, uh, James White was the one who said if you view something, someone you've been blocked by on incognito mode of, of Google Chrome, you can still see it. And it's like, Oh, that was, that was very valuable to find that out.
1: Oh, I did not know that. So if you just view it
0: on incognito
1: mode, then you can see it. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, For other reasons, I've got burners anyway. Um, (laughs) Not not because, not because I, I try not to say things that would get me fired from, from my main, I, my main, (laughs) almost exclusively exists to say things that might get me fired. Um, <laughs> um, and so, my number one rule for Twitter is, is there any possibility a bank would ever tweet this? If so, abandon, <laughs> abandon, abandon. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, my number one rule. It's um, good rule. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but anyway, um, uh but yeah, just uh, <clears throat> uh, so anyway. Uh, so this uh, this all started, I think, as far as I can, as far as I can tell. And maybe he's referring to something else, but <laughs> but uh, if so, he's subtweeting hard enough that uh, that I can't tell where it started. I, I think this all started when um, Joash Thomas, who is uh, the national director of mobilization and advocacy for International Justice Mission Canada, so one of the uh, elite evangelicals um, up here on uh, on my side of the border. Um, he uh, he tweeted, honestly struggling to understand this as a reformed Christian. Uh, lowercase r if that if he meant means something by that by the way but anyway um how does one call themselves reformed pastor in a reformed denomination teach at a reformed seminary and still have a hard time believing that their subculture can be totally depraved um all those were lowercase though by the way so maybe he just doesn't capitalize that word um but uh um anyway uh so and still have a hard time believing that their subculture can be totally depraved um, now I ran across this because um, because uh, Stephen Wolf. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. Go on. Go on. Stephen Wolf, who is at perfinjust on on Twitter, he great follow. Uh, he 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 quote tweeted it um, and uh, and said, "Read this and the replies because there were lots of woke evangelicals um, replying." Yeah. Uh, equally uh, unperspicuous. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, read this in the replies and ask yourself if evangelical elites have any idea what total depravity means in the Reformed tradition. Yeah. Um, and go before, ahead. <laughs> before you get too far in, let me
0: say yeah. a red flag is when someone tweets, something to the extent of, I do not understand. And then every quote tweet that you see where someone tries to explain it to him comes with a, this tweet is this user limits who can read their tweets because they have blocked them. Because I'm not blocked. I was able to see all of the tweet. I was able to see the tweet. I just had to do some clicking around to get to it because, but it was blocked off by the person quote tweeting. So apparently he's confused but when someone tries to explain it to him, why they would disagree with them, he blocks them. Right. Why doesn't anyone answer my question? I'm confused. This is this. Uh, uh. See, that's another thing about the elite, the evangelical elites. They 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 feign confusion as if they don't. They they want to hear well, the answer, and then when they hear someone give them the answer, they block them, and then they're like, then they tell us that we're living in an echo chamber yeah the gall (laughs) no i read all of your Um, tweets i'm not living in an echo chamber i'm reading your tweets you're just blocking me so you don't have to read mine who's living in an echo chamber
1: this this was this was the whole this was the whole rob bell move right oh i'm just asking questions oh i'm just asking questions i'm just asking questions all right. If you were to take that seriously and then answer his questions, I'm being attacked. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> uh, it, it, I'm, I'm being, I'm being made a pariah in Christian circles. I'm being treated as if I'm some sort of a heretic. All I'm doing is asking questions.
0: <laughs> All yeah. we're
1: doing is answering your questions.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. About, about, yeah. There's that slimy sleight of hand thing that he did too, where he's like, I mean, are you guys against love? The only thing I said in my book was love wins. That's all I said. Are you yeah. guys against love? Do you think God's not loving? Is that what you're doing? Slimy, slimy, slimy. And then the modern then the modern woke evangelical is doing the exact same thing, but doesn't want us to think about it. Um, the Beatty's out here canceling Luther, and uh, we're just supposed to be like, so what the heck are we doing? What the heck are we doing? So you're saying yeah. we we don't quote Luther, we don't talk no. about Luther, we don't read Luther because he was anti-Semitic. So what are we doing? Go back to Rome.
1: And and you you saw Tabidi also this week saying that he's in the new year, he's going to unfollow everyone and only follow black indigenous.
0: Uh that include Mark Dever. <laughs> Because you owe your freaking world to Mark Dever.
1: Yeah, I assume John Piper
0: is You owe everything to John Piper. I
1: assume they're going to be unfollowed. Um, yeah, it's I. It's an uh, ungrateful.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm going to censor myself.
1: <laughs> That's the thing that, that, that
0: pisses me off more than anything. I got to say that. You can disagree with someone, but ingratitude, that
1: that okay. i that's a he, i can't handle that he says he says this year i'm o- i'm going to only follow indigenous folks and church members he says last in years past i've only followed women for a year he says uh this year i'm only going to follow indigenous folks and and church members so presumably he means members of his own church um and and in, okay <laughs> uh And indigenous folks, so um, I don't get it. That's that doesn't make any sense to me. So, anyway, it's just um, I don't care. care. He's he's done. You know, I honestly spent so little time on Twitter, but everything I saw was so frustrating. Ron Swanson pick up the computer, walk out to the dumpster, and yeah, the (laughs) BD
0: is the one who taught me about expository preaching. And he is the first one who I've seen abuse it in this terrible way. And so this is what frustrates me so much that he said such beautiful things about expository preaching. He's the one who made me fall in love with the art of expository preaching. And then he just, then suddenly I'm just like, this is why it pisses me off too. When they're just like, they make it seem like I'm the one who started the fight. Like we're the ones who started the fight. We thought we were good. We thought we were united around the doctrines of grace. We thought we were united around justification by faith. So all the five solas. And then suddenly you start swinging these words like, hey, uh, you started swinging these uh, accusations that we're racist for being white or we or whatever and start swinging from the text and we're just like, what is going on? We were the ones who were shocked. Like we are the ones who were taken off guard. Like we, we were with you. And then suddenly you started swinging yeah. these things around and we was like, what, what is going on? And initially I, like I wanted to see the best. I wanted to go with him, but then I saw the way he was treating people who had previously platformed him, who had previously given him his, his, who had raised him to the place where he is. And I just, I, I, I can't understand it, but this is not what we're talking about. We're talking about total depravity. (laughs) Yeah. Let's take it to the, but, but I think it would be useful. I think even though he's not listening to us, someone might wonder, uh, even though he's blocked us and won't listen to us, someone might wonder. So how do we answer that question? Exactly right. So look,
1: (laughs) totally depraved to, 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 to say, how can someone still have a hard time believing that their subculture can be totally depraved? Indicates that there's a misunderstanding, just the most basic Calvinism 101 misunderstanding of the words total depravity at work here. And it's not that it's not that these people don't know the actual definition of total depravity. It's that they don't care. Because look, if you're a listener and you haven't gotten a, a Calvinism 101 introduction to total depravity, that's okay. Um, you're not you're not using a, a giant platform to tweet out your ignorance um, and accuse godly men of uh, of being uh, of of being blind to some sort of systemic sin um, that they're implicitly covering up for. Um, so total depravity does not mean that a person or a subgroup or a um, or a approach or a way of way of uh, coming at the world is as bad as it could be. It means, there is no person. There is no subgroup. There is no way of looking at the world. There is no. Um, there. There is no. Uh, there. There is no, and most importantly, no faculty we possess as humans that is not tainted by sin. Yeah. That is not, and tainted is maybe even, is, is not warped and distorted by sin to the point that without reliance on the regener- regenerating power of yeah. the Holy Spirit, reliance on uh, sanctification, reliance on, uh, reliance on the sure foundation of scripture, and not uh, seeking out natural theology, natural law approaches to knowledge exclusively. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with having, with, with, with using revealed foundations yeah. to work in In a direction on something the bible doesn't speak explicitly about um but to start from those to start from those foundations and to always take revealed word uh hold that much more tightly than conclusions of natural theology um yeah um so that that without the the reformed approach has has always been that without these things uh that because even our intellects are marred by sin yeah um that there is that there there is no escape from the effects of sin by any merely human means that's what total depravity means that every everything about our humanity because uh because of the federal headship of adam over all of humanity that there is that there is there is nothing that belongs to humanity that is not mm. marred by by the yeah. effects of that sin. that yeah um and which includes by the way all of creation <laughs> yeah <laughs> because yeah there's a sense in which we're we're the federal head over um yeah uh, not a sense not particularly a sense in which uh, the, it, that men as federal federal heads over all of creation have brought in our wake all of creation which means that both the intellect doing the work of natural theology and the nature you're working at are both marred by sin yeah <laughs> and so anyway sorry i just wanted to yeah no, no i no. wanted to get to that I point think and hear you interrupt
0: that and is you, a, you the problem <laughs> with to- the problem comes with the word total Um, People hear that sometimes, and I think there's an understandable way that they misunderstand this. Um, I had this once where I was talking to someone, and they were like, I was talking about total depravity, and and they responded, like, what do you mean I see people doing, I see non-believers doing good things all the time. I was like, okay, yes, you're right. Um, Total depravity does not mean that people are always as bad as they could be. That's not what that word means total, we hear that and we think every inch of us. And it's more like this. I I heard the the metaphor like this. um, That it's like dropping a little bit of poison into a glass of water. It's not that suddenly what was water before is now poison. Like if you could get down to the molecular level, there is still water molecules in there. It's that you can't get in any part of the glass that the poison does not uh permeate right and and really what total depravity was meant to emphasize wasn't that um it wasn't in some ways it wasn't saying anything different the christian tradition since augustine since the rejection of pelagianism has said human beings are born with a sin nature Sin is not something that comes from the outside. It's, it's an enemy within the gates, so to speak. It's like the call is coming from within the house. That's that's what sin, uh, original sin is. Total depravity just said, there is no part of us that is not affected by sin. So, um, in fact, we got into this uh, two episodes ago when we looked at the erosion of the gospel and we read the phrase from Sola Grazia, God's grace in Christ is not merely necessary, but is the sole efficient cause of salvation. We confess that human beings are born spiritually dead and are incapable even of cooperating with regenerating grace. What total depravity means is that, is that not just our our moral selves are corrupted by sin. Our intellect, as you said, and our wills our desires. This is what heart means in a biblical sense. That's the seat right. of the will. What we desire to do, that is also um, effective. By sin. And this is also another way, place where it's hard to explain sometimes the Calvinist view on free will. Because some people think we're, we're dis- the distinction is between predestination and free will. No, no, no. We believe in free will in the sense that we believe you are free to do what you want to do. Christian, right. and that that's the problem. Human beings are free. to Exactly. That's the problem. Is that our our will is not in bondage to determinism. Our will is in bondage to sin, and we need to be freed of that bondage. That's what grace does. It frees us from that bondage so that we could come to to salvation. Um. And so, at first, is that. It's second. What total depravity does is it also, as you said, explains why. Natural theology is not enough. We're talking about um, Romans 1 is, is what you're, you're, you're circling that text where it says you know that it, the problem is not that they didn't know God. The, the problem is that they knew God and they suppressed the knowledge of truth. They suppressed the knowledge of the truth in unrighteousness. Their sinful nature suppresses the truth. Everything that is necessary to know God and know that we are to worship him and give thanks to him is in creation. It's written into creation. And in fact is in our own heart. The problem is that by our totally. Depraved nature. We suppress that knowledge. And so. The problem with. This. In, 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 this explanation. Of total depravity or this. This this accusation of total depravity. Is that first. It, it, it doesn't understand what is meant by total depravity. In fact in many ways. They're buying into the straw man. That Calvinism often seeks to to explain away to say like no 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 we're not saying that humans are as bad as they could be. Um, in fact, our big our big comeback to that is first of all, there are things in this world that prevent us from being as bad as we could be. One thing is the very fact that we are made in the image of God. In some ways, like I have been going back to. I used to say the big problem with 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 uh, the world is they think humans are inherently good. But actually, I don't think that's a problem at all. I actually think they're right. Humans are inherently by definition of being human. Good. Humanity did not cease to be good. Humanity became flawed, became infected. The water does not cease to be water. When you drop the poison in it, it's that it's been, it's been polluted. And so human nature is good. And that still remains
1: in us. And so as we're recording this, we're still in the very late stages of the Advent season. The incarnation proves that humanity is not inherently evil (laughs) because because being fully human did not require Jesus to be evil yeah. uh, so that so you're you're using the the poison analogy the 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 Bible's own analogy for this tends tends to be leaven yeah yeah um. And 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 so I like I've I've brought up several times, Jesus is mentioning that the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, where where it's unnoticeable at first, undeniable at the end. But the more common way, um, the more common way leaven is referred to in the Bible, um, is uh, is that sin is like leaven. Is 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 that once. Once a little bit of it gets into a batch of dough, there's no part of the dough that it's not. There's no unleavened part of a leavened batch of dough. Yeah. yeah. Um. Which is one of the reasons, by the way, that when you're preparing for the hel- for the Passover, you take all the leaven out of your household. That there's there's because um, because any contact with leaven. <laughs> would leaven the dough yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of it <laughs> um, and yeah. and so um uh and obviously there's symbolic significance there but it's also just a practical if yeah if you're if you're if you're being told to eat unleavened bread then having no leaven in your household is a pretty right. good way to make sure that you end up with unleavened bread <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah and um and so 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 Jesus, via the incarnation, um, he he shows that there is this third category. <laughs> there's yeah. there's there's not just sinful man and unsinful non-man. Yeah. There is this possible category still yeah. of a sinless man. <laughs> yeah. Um And. Uh, and 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 so uh just as there is a possible category of yeah. of unleavened bread right and so yeah. um and 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 that's in fact i think what that unleavened bread analogy was sitting there meant to be doing the whole yeah. time was yeah. obviously prefiguring prefiguring christ sinless yeah. man there is you wouldn't you from from all the other bread and from all the other men, you would have seen, you would not have gotten the idea that this was yeah. possible. But it is. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyway, the um, uh, so I is um, it's very important to realize um, that that um, that that humanity is not fundamentally evil yeah but it is pervasively yes. universally yes except yeah. for jesus on yes. this side of eternity evil
0: <laughs> yes the it's that the evil has per, has so thoroughly infected that that but yet there are still aspects of the former glory re- retained and this is why you know we've talked about in the past and we we talk about it consistently that it is a problem for us that libertarianism was founded by rationalists and non-Christians. And I know that like n- people will want to push back and be like, yeah, well, they were anti-Christian. Well, they were. They were in the sense that they were rebels against Christ and his lordship until sure. their death, as far as we know. Um, both Mises and Rothbard. We still have hope for Hoppe, but, you know, he's... Who knows? But, like... They, they lived as rebels to God all the way to the end, and that should affect the way that a Christian understands libertarianism. To say that those who have actually put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ are regenerated according to the grace of the Holy Spirit and are pursuing the path of holiness in following Christ, we should expect that we are going to come to significant disagreements with them, at the very least in the way we set our foundations. We need to to find differences. We need to find differences. If not, we should be worried. At the same time, we did not say we abandoned the whole project altogether because we can also acknowledge that as humans in the image of God, which means that they have reason, that they have a sense of moral rightness, you know, the the works of the law written on their hearts, that they were able to to suss out to, to 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 figure out certain insights that are valuable. This is the reason we continue to call ourselves a Rothbardian and or even Hoppy and libertarians despite the fact that we said it is a problem that they are not believers. It's because sure. we don't believe that they are so marred by sin that there is no insight worth taking from them. We are neither we're neither throwing out the whole the whole system altogether, nor are we unquestioningly following along it. There is We need to balance that. And that is really what we mean by total depravity is we have to acknowledge that there is something of sin nature that has infected every aspect of them and yet that there is something remaining of their humanity. And what's more, the second reason why total depravity doesn't apply in this sense is that God himself restrains our depravity. He, he does this by his gracious hand for his purposes sometimes. Like, like we don't think that Cyrus—I mean, I don't know. I don't think Cyrus was a regenerate man. I don't think no. Cyrus was a regenerate man. And yet God restrained his wickedness in order to bring the, the ex- exiled Jews back to the land. Um, I, I don't know that Nebuchadnezzar was saved. I don't like some people make the case that he was regenerate born again. And yet the Lord used him to rescue his people. Like there, there is a occasion after occasion we can find in scripture of, uh, of unregenerate man, men who the Lord restrains their wickedness for the purpose of helping his people. And we know that
1: that well, happens. Genesis 50, 20, Isaiah 10, Acts 4. 27 and 28 like yeah. those are the <laughs> that those are those are the 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 three oh, sure uh sort of although i mo- w- eye, if you yeah. will of uh <laughs> um, although
0: i guess i would see those as occasions where the lord is using evil actions for his purpose i mean that sometimes wicked people are restrained from the full expression of their wickedness i guess that's more what i'm i'm thinking yeah about. okay yeah so, and, and, so yeah, yeah, those
1: are more, um, I, I guess... Um, what we call okay, common grace just a, sometimes. It's Joseph's brothers who are, whose wickedness is in being yeah. not pharaohs yeah, yeah, yeah. in Genesis 5 to 20. Yeah, okay. I, I, some of the things you were saying what, were reminding me of Isaiah 10, of course, where where he says that Assyria is the axe in my hand right. um, and, and, and then says that Assyria will be punished yeah. for their own yeah. haughtiness and their own rebellion. Yeah. And also
0: Um, we would say this, one of the ways that the Lord restrains evil in sinners mm -hmm. is through his law. In societies where his law is pervasive, sin is restrained. Again, this is why we should not celebrate the fall of Christendom. This is why we should not dance on the grave of the Bible belt. These are valuable things, but means by which the Lord restrains wickedness and mm, gospel center types are going to be on and on and on. Say to them, Hey, remember, Hey, remember, don't focus on morals because Hey, remember doing the right thing. Hey, following right morals. That's not what saves us. Yes, but following sinful morals will damn you. And so, the restraining aspect of the law, preventing us from hardening ourselves further in sin, is a means by which God is going to use. Means that God is going to use to bring people to Him in salvation through the gospel by preventing us from becoming as hardened as we could be, preventing ourselves from being turned over to our wicked, sinful desires. And so, that's another thing. The reason why I would say the big reason. Well, that's not the big reason, but one big reason why his category error is so flagrant is saying, like, I can't understand why people, reformed pastors or reformed people wouldn't, wouldn't see how their subculture is totally depraved because it's a subculture based around God's law and God's word. The restraining effects of God's law are going to take effect over this culture. Insofar as they are following God's moral commands and seeking to live biblically, they are restrained from being as bad as they could be. Now, would we say back to him, does that mean that everything in our reformed subculture is right? No. There are some things that I see in the reformed subculture that I think could be could be dealt with, probably should be dealt with. Um I you know, no, if I came up with topics that would take us too far up field, but but there are things that we need to work on as a reformed subculture, particularly as uh, in what is called reformed Twitter or Calvinist Twitter. Like there's a lot that, that we should talk about, we should deal with. We need to we need to we need to plug I mean well, I mean one topic that I've I've brought up before is the problem that we have to have in our mini into Calvinist pipeline. Or, or at least a new Calvinist right. to total to fully reformed pipeline that we have to have a pipeline, so we are not doing reform- evangelism
1: like we should. I actually, I think that was the one that just came out. I think you said that in, um, in they care how much we know, which was episode yeah. forty. Yeah, I think yep, that's yep. the one that just came out.
0: Yeah, I think I did, I did talk about it there, um, which was some time ago by now. Uh, <laughs> a
1: few episodes ago, <laughs> but, but, but that, but I mean, like. Speaking of things from some time ago, um, seventeen episode seventeen point five. What sends us to hell? Still one of our favorite episodes we've ever done. Yes, um, we, we, we go through this problem of 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 that whole that whole really non sequitur that you were throwing uh, out there is like it's like oh well the Bible Belt Christianity doesn't save you, right? It it meshes you with the world. I'm sorry. Like, uh, are you telling me that the
0: world was not was better? The world is better now that when I when I start saying the phrase "trust in the Lord with all your heart" and and none of my students can finish that phrase. You're telling me that the world is better because of that. Like, yes, back then we had to deal with that in the sense that we were taking it out of context, we were misinterpreting it, we were misapplying it, but at least we knew it. I'm sorry, this is just this is a major frustration that we are celebrating the secularization of society, which is driving us further and further away from the word, which is driving us further and further into moral chaos. And and But this is a means the moral law of God, the word of God does not just lead us to salvation, it also restrains us from being as bad as we could be. And so being in a society that is that is, has widespread at least passing knowledge of God's word is going to be a better society. Not just in the sense of being more prosperous and peaceful, though it'll be that, but also it is a better starting point for evangelism. Right. Like you read read the Pilgrim's Progress and you see the way evangelism worked in those days. It wasn't that he was unaware of the word, it's that suddenly he was hit with a bone deep realization of his own fallenness. Like it's it, there was a starting point to evangelism that is not present in our world, and it's because we've given up the battle for, for Christendom. You need to go back on the attack. We need to get back into that, and so that is the first problem I see with with this whole idea that our subculture could be totally depraved, or really we're getting the second. The first one is that it's a misunderstanding of what totally depraved means. Second, that God restrains sin in um, in places where God's word is pervasive. The third and biggest problem I have with that.
1: Including, by the way, by the means of the civil magistrate, which is why. Oh, it, yeah, yeah. Even when the civil magistrate is itself evil, the civil magistrate can be used to restrain evil. Yeah. Which is why Romans 13, 2 Peter 3... Uh, which is why they're in your Bible, which is which is which is why those those mm-hmm. uh, those scriptures are there, is to say that even you Christian need your evil restrained, and even you Christian might be being given a mercy by having your evil restrained by even an evil civil magistrate. <laughs>
0: But here's my biggest problem with that. Yes. Here's my biggest problem with his whole statement. Total depravity applies to unbelievers. That's what it applies to. That's, that's, that's what it's about. The whole definition of total depravity is this is what unbelievers are like. It is a category error to say that I, a believer in Jesus Christ, regenerated by the grace of God and through the Holy Spirit, am totally depraved. Now, that's, I'm not saying I'm totally without sin or that every aspect of my sin nature has been eradicated. That's part of why I keep going back to the law of God is to restrain my, the remaining sin nature and also to convict me of my sin nature so that I can continue to nail those sins to the cross and receive grace and reminder of forgiveness and washing, you know, he he breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the captive free. Like that's, that's happening, but it does not apply to me. I am not totally depraved. I have been freed by the gospel. Well, I've been freed by the Spirit working through the gospel. It does not apply to believers. We might be confused for all other reasons, but the category total depravity is about why the unbeliever does not come to God seeing God
1: in creation. It's what Augustine called non-passe non non picare." Right, not able not to sin. Right, but he says that and, the, the phrase changes for the believer.
0: It right. we become posa non picare. non picare. Yeah, we're able not to sin. Not as we will be, which which the glorious day when we will become non pasa picare. Not non able to sin. Pacari, yeah, we will. Uh, that's that's the great uh, future of when we're finally freed from our sin nature altogether. We are not there yet. It is still, we are still able to sin and we do and we will all the way up until Christ returns or we die and are fully sanctified in the presence of God. But the category total depravity does not apply to believers. This is
1: elementary crap. This is, this is elementary he- stuff. And for our native Latin speakers listening, um, we're deeply sorry. <laughs> we know there's a right way and a wrong way to say Latin, and we promise you to give you both. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but but that but the,
0: we are the whole point of regeneration is that our will, like that's that's what the whole point of regeneration is. God transforms and enables our will to choose God. It right. is an undoing. Of our total depravity in fact it's it's such a, a pervasive thing that even john wesley had his own theory of it uh where he called what he called prevenient grace that god has to enable us to choose him or to come to him and this is this is present in all non-pelagians uh throughout the years um this is anyway no that's, let's not get into that but But that's that's the point of regeneration is you are not totally depraved anymore. God has freed your will to choose him and to choose to follow him. Does it mean that we all perfectly choose to follow him? No. This is why I don't like irresistible grace as a phrase, because I think we resist grace all the time. We we do it all the time. Uh, uh, I resist grace all the time now, but I am enabled and I am made to walk in the newness of life because I am born again. And, and even as I resist it, ultimately God will win the battle for my heart. It's, and so that, that's that's the biggest problem with this whole category error is if the Reformed subcultures, if they're made up of Reformed Christians and not Reformed Christians, then they wouldn't be totally depraved. And that's not even getting into the whole question of can you even call a culture depraved, whereas that that's a whole cat that's a category for persons for individuals, but
1: yeah. right and for and for aspects of an individual, right? Yeah, and and that's that's why that's that's why I don't think I I don't think Stephen was wrong to turn it around and say. Are are African American Christian, is the African American Christian subculture totally depraved? Yeah like it, it is is that affluent white female culture totally depraved? Um Ask the them. answer is obviously no, Google, don't cancel us.
0: Uh, <laughs> the only people you can't insult is is the white women. Uh, <laughs> It's, 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 just, it's standpoint epistemology. This is the crazy thing about reform people affirming standpoint epistemology. Is it, they end up speaking themselves, twisting themselves into pretzels in order to hold on to both that. Yeah. Just a little bit of pushback. If they were to listen to it instead of blocking the people, giving them the pushback would, would show them like this is what's happening, th- yeah just applying the same logic to indigenous church folk like are they total is their culture totally depraved and they would come up with all and I I guarantee you they will come up with all the right answers about why total depravity doesn't apply to them let me say yes sure. same answer for southern uh reformed theology or whatever because, of course, yeah. as I said to uh, our friend at Baptist Luddite or my friend ba- uh, Baptist Luddite on Twitter, I said to him as he, he retweeted someone who was making the same kind of cop. I think it was the same guy making some kind of comment about Southern reform culture and all that stuff It's like, because, of course, we are all called to love your neighbor. You, s- you stupid bigot dot 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 <laughs> unless your neighbor is from the South. Yeah. Yeah. Does love your this, I guess this is a thing that I I want to ask my my big Eva or or just big Eva adjacent friends people who who are more on the progressive side is do these things that you say about homosexuals Transgenders indigenous bipoc whatever like do these same things apply to conservative Conservatives, do you still need to be compassionate to them? Do you still need to empathize with them? Do you still need to hear their truth? Do you still need to um, see Jesus in them? You still need to honor the Imago Dei in them, because because it seems like those are the only people we're allowed to dishonor, right? And and It's especially disgusting because the when I read the Bible, I don't see God caring for the poor in the sense of the the Marxist liberation theology that has been, um, you know, mollified so that white uh, suburban housewives can handle it in the form of social justice. Um, I don't see that, but I see a lot of God caring for his people and if his people if these southern reformed people are his people then how you treat them you will be judged in accordance with that whatever you do to the least of these my, my brothers brother. okay you're gonna okay okay, thebeedy, you're gonna only follow indigenous folks with an x I'm assuming
1: It wasn't with an X, but not a bad guess.
0: You're only going to follow indigenous folks for this. And I'm assuming, I'm assuming Christian, but I don't know. He could be just say, he could be anyone like just indigenous period. You will not be judged by the way you treat them though. You'll be treated. You'll be judged in accordance with how you treat those who are united to the same body that you are united to not in your local body. In the church capital t capital c the body capital b of christ that is how you'll be judged and that should cause you to tremble because you i'm sorry you started the fights all year you you have been starting the fight all along and you know it you took the fight on you charged at us um you called us all racist for voting Republican. You called us all racist for being white. You called us all racist for not for for our because our rural churches don't have any black people in them because we don't have black people in our rural areas. And that is you took on that. You took that on. You were the one who took critical race theory to church and decided to take us and to take us on and call us and slander us with sins that we have never committed. You did this. And you're going to have to answer for it because it's starting well, to sound and... like someone is applying totally depraved to others who should be spending some time looking in their mirror Because you're sounding awfully hardened.
1: And so when, when a Christian is denying that the Samaritan can be his neighbor and that he should be a neighbor to the Samaritan, then then Jesus has a parable for that, right? But what happens if, what, what happens if, because using premises Jesus never used to uh, to make uh, to make now the Samaritan someone someone of, of uber respect, not just not just this also applies to them, that they need to be that they need to be treated equally as a neighbor and that and that the and that the, and, and the real point of that parable is, um don't be asking who your neighbor is so that you can narrow it down and get out of loving particular neighbors um, but ask ask yourself what am I being a neighbor to this person or not? because <laughs> because note the question that starts the parable is who is my neighbor? The question that ends the parable is so which of these men was a neighbor to the Samaritan um, and and, and um, so, but to, but then out of that, out of that obviously true, because, because Jesus said it, which is, by the way, equally true of Exodus 2.9. Right, like, <laughs> um, but um, that. Uh, so to take that truth, and and to twist it beyond recognition, with with premises that Jesus never held, um, to then use the idea of being neighborly to the Samaritan to now undefine everyone else as your neighbor so that you've you've inverted the story entirely, you've put it on its head, is that you're now using it the same way, you're using it the way the story was intended to stop (laughs) the idea of the neighbor from being used. You're saying, you're saying, are these people who don't believe in the same refugee policy as me, are they really my neighbor? like um
0: it's it's amazing how we do that though right like that happens so much or we we'll take scripture as, as like and we will twist it to mean the exact opposite like uh i don't know if you've ever read the there's this classic sermon by he was a, kind of a liberal progressive guy where he called it the cult uh, the sermon's called the cult of the publican where he talks about how how we could take this the, the parable of the of the the righteous or the the pharisee and the tax collector and then we can turn the tax collector's way of approaching god into a a pharisaic a pharisaical thing like if i taught if the if the publican taught his children now here's what you do you walk in you bow your knee you beat your breast just like so you beat your breast (laughs) like so and you say you speak to raise your hands just like so and you use these words and how we can take that the very insight that that uh, is supposed to give us and turn it completely on its head. Like this is why this is why okay uh, to get to the the issue we we dealt with on on our episode of with K to the Cross and and why we be, we're doing this series and why shortly we're going to start taking on the uh, Chicago statement is because hermeneutics matters for this purpose. It is not enough to read the text of scripture. You have to understand what it meant before you apply what it means. And this is also what Mm -hmm. I got into on episode 41.5, 40.5, where I, the the 40.5, I think it was, uh, does this text apply to me? Or does this verse apply to me? Um, when i took on the uh jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and
1: uh oh, asking yeah
0: uh, 40.40.5 40.5 um where uh that's 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 why this whole project of hermeneutics of interpretation exegesis matters is because we have to understand what it meant before we apply what it means it, we're not saying it doesn't apply to you yes so all Scripture is breathed out by God and useful for teaching, for proof, for correction, for training in righteousness. All that was written was written for our benefit, Paul says. Yes, that is true. Eventually, every verse you will find you should be able to find a way to apply to you. But first, we need to understand what it meant; otherwise, we can misapply and misinterpret in our misapplication. And try and make a verse mean the opposite of what it's meant to be. And um out of love for the
1: scripture, we need to avoid that. But I catch you. Absolutely go and, on. And, well, <laughs> so I mean, it this reminds me of a of a conversation I had um about sort of escaping echo chambers um with our, with someone who was going the the woke direction. Um, and, uh, um, and, And he ends up saying to me, well, what you're telling me is that you just have the bigger echo chamber than I do. It's not that you don't have an echo chamber. It's just that your echo chamber is so much bigger. And I go, well, yeah. That, you see how that makes it less of an echo chamber, almost by definition, right? Yeah.
0: Like, <laughs> you see why that's better, right?
1: That is better.
0: You see why that's better, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. And um, and so, how much worse then to to take uh, to take this idea about how even the Samaritan is your neighbor? And apply it in such a way that now only the Samaritan is your neighbor, and you've defined a way neighborliness to everyone else. (laughs) Um, And uh, so, look, I I think a lot of this is driven by if, if you just. Rarely have to interact with um, the the sort of people that you're prioritizing for special attention. Um, then it's so much easier then for you to um, because it it gives you it gives you permission to be a jerk. To the people who are actually in your life to minister to, mm-hmm. but you're but you're super. Uh, you're you're just super primed to uh, to minister to those people who aren't in your life, who the Lord hasn't given you to minister to, mm-hmm. because fictional people are way easier to minister to mm-hmm. than real people who are actually in your life. Um, yeah. And which is why, by the way, when it, it, this is, this is not merciful, it's not helpful to the poor, it's not helpful to the marginalized, it's not helpful to the refugee, because too often, when these people actually interact with these people, they don't like them. Yeah, <laughs> because they're not like their idealized version in their head yeah. of what a refugee is supposed to be like. Yeah. Um. Yeah. i find that so many times is that um i is that the people who the people who tone police the way we talk about the homeless about the vulnerable about drug addicts about uh, uh about refugees about about whatever are the people who never in a million years, would have to interact with those people, and yeah. and and they end up tone policing people who are actually helping them. Yeah, it's incredible.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I found it's so funny. Like there is kind of an IQ parabola with people who work with the poor. You've got hmm. people who've never worked with the poor ever, and they kind of say things like, "Well, it's because they're wasting their money and they're selfish and they blah blah blah," and they're all this stuff and then um and they need to be just they need to be told just to get to work and need tough love and then you get in the middle and they're like no you don't understand this and that's societal whatever and then you get to the other end you get people who have actually lived with worked with gotten into the mud of dealing with the poor and they're like because they waste their money on drugs and alcohol and because they make foolish decisions and they need to just dig in they just need to dig in and actually work on changing their life. Like that's that's what they end up saying. Like you you know you you talk to someone who actually has lived with the poor they're like, "Yeah, it's because like they they someone who actually works with the poor knows what they need and that what they need is tough love." Like that's what and I I I am I am in awe of people I like the people there's a a I got to talk to some of the people in charge of this, uh, this gospel mission is what, uh, back in north in Sioux Falls when I lived there, and and I remember something so remarkable. He loved them; it was clear, but also he was tough on them. You mm-hmm. you walk you you go into, um, a Christian-based homeless shelter, a, a gospel-based Christian homeless shelter, and you find people who are willing to say hard things to them out of love. And they're not sugarcoating. They're not saying, well, you know what? Society has been hard on you and you've had so many things that happen and these, this and this and this. No, it's always take responsibility for your action. Take responsibility for your life. Take steps to improve your life. That's it. And also, um, these sinful things, uh, the simple things you're doing That are making you poor are also sins Against God and I'm not going to sugarcoat that For you either Like
1: That's what you see um, I have only once in Calgary Been in the vehicle with With someone when they have Rolled down the window and yelled Get a job you bum And It's, it's The person Probably the single person that the most homeless people in Calgary know and love, (laughs) because (laughs) because he actually spends a bunch of time with them. And no, okay, so obviously that was partially a jest, but it's uh, it was partially serious. Um, (laughs) Is uh, because it's it's exactly as you say is. Um, there, there is uh, with with that with that time spent is the is the understanding that um, that there are there are plenty of people um, who just until circumstances force them to actually take responsibility and 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 it's it's so easy for that to never happen in rich Canada. Um uh I until circumstances force them to take responsibility and to um and to step up, they're they're not going to. And yeah. um and the and the and that's you're right. That is. Um, that is one of the things that sort of the most heartless and the most disengaged from the homeless will say, and one of the things that some of the most yeah. loving and engaged people um, yeah. will say. And 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 the um, and the the homeless is one of the um, is one of the easier ones to talk about in that, but it, this applies yeah. in many ways to, to several of the categories that we're, mm. um, that we're talking about. I mean, one of my favorites is um, the, uh, uh, I, 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 there was this uh, super woke lady um, in my neighborhood who wanted to get involved in refugee resettlement services until she realized that uh, how many of them were bigots by her definition. And then she didn't like being around them anymore. <laughs> um, um, uh, <laughs> um, yep. Because it, it turns out that um, refugees from Muslim countries tend to either be Muslims or the kinds of people that Muslims persecute. <laughs> either way, <laughs> Either way, they're going to hold some uh, some views you don't agree with, yeah. well, lady. <laughs> well, but anyway, so yeah, sorry. We've we've gotten a little. We've gotten a little. uh, well, let, like, uh I wanted I feel, to bring okay, it back. I don't think. Yeah,
0: I wanted to bring it back and say to the first thing, and this is really where I would say. So I was having a conversation with someone once about Wayne Grudem. And so someone who uses Wayne Grudem's systematic theology, uh, which you know I have I have some critiques of Wayne Grudem's systematic theology. I'll be I'll I'll, I'll say that I have some critiques of of uh, Wayne Grudem, but then they they said, "Oh man, but it's too bad about he, that whole thing where he wrote that endorsement of Trump." And uh, my response was, oh, I'd like to read that. Why? Well, because if someone, I, if, if someone I respect gives an opinion I disagree with, I want to hear what he has to say in case I'm the one who's wrong. In fact, that's what I did for years with Abidian Yopule. I respected him so much. I respected him so much that I wanted to hear what he had to say. And I tried really hard to to hear him with an open mind and, and with, um, how do I say this? Uh, sympathetic reading. But you see, the whole thing is this team-based approach to things. And this is, this is really the, this ultimately the problem is this whole, we are, our, our team, our teams are not Christian versus the world. Our teams are left versus right. And I would rather talk to a rightist who is not a Christian than to a leftist Christian. That's what I see from these woke, these woke evangelicals, these, these uh, big Eva types is they would rather talk to someone on the left who is not a believer than someone who is on the right, who is a believer. And and if someone they they previously respected comes out and says something they disagree with, all of them has to be thrown out. And that happens on the right as well. Like I know there's a big deal now on 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 right wing, liberty Twitter of being like you know block block uh, aggressively. I'm just I'm not gonna be that guy. I'm not gonna be the guy who who blocks aggressively. Partly because I don't want to have an echo chamber. I don't I want to hear I want to hear I am sharpened by hearing my enemies.
1: If I'm tired of speak. someone I aggressively try to get blocked. That's my that's that's how I do. I
0: <laughs> I want to hear I want I am sharpened by hearing my enemies. By considering my enemies uh intellectual or otherwise I am sharpened by engaging with their ideas. Yeah. Um
1: that was a joke, by the way. I agree with you. I'm just
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think we can be we need to be careful that we don't do the exact same thing of asking so-called yeah. questions or seeking the opposing view and then blocking anyone who would give us an answer. We can do yeah. that same thing. Um and I'm trying to say, I guess I'm trying to say I didn't do that with the BD. I didn't do that with Tim Keller. I'm still holding on to John Piper, despite the fact that he has said some of these things. Like, I'm sorry, like as much as I've critiqued him on the show, you know why I keep coming up with critiques of him? Cause I keep listening to him. Sure. <laughs> Cause I keep following him. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's because I, I respect him in so many ways that I keep pursuing what he has to say, which is why he, when he says things that are just off the wall, crazy, i know he's saying it and i have also an understanding of his mentality that i can critique it effectively because i have great respect for him i don't get the same feeling and this is why i get so frustrated when this whole call to cancel luther thing starts happening of like of like you know let's take his insights but let's not mention his name so you can't respect a guy who said something wrong Like, I'm sorry, what would you do to David if he wasn't enshrined in Scripture? Yeah. What what would you do to Peter if he wasn't enshrined in Scripture? He did some pretty bigoted stuff when he started separating out from the Gentiles. Yeah, and, and, and Patrick says <laughs> that's a good that's another one, Patrick. Um be careful of easily refuted enemies. Um I said that in a, a few episodes ago, you know. Um and and yeah, it's still still true. Um convenient enemies are, are a problem.
1: <laughs> so by my reckoning, we're about halfway done with the point I wanted to make. Um, because, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> i'm guessing this is going to be a ton episode yes. because i wanted to make i i uh um i i wanted to uh um connect this with the great um episode uh of anarcho-christian um the which as we're recording at least is the most recent episode It'll be anarchy, um, where where he takes some pop culture representations of anarchy and 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 shows where they don't they don't resemble what anarchy would be like in real. And he spends a lot of time on Lord of the Lord of the Flies, where he makes if he makes great points, listen to the episode. Um I mean, almost by definition, the episode is shorter than my explanation of it would be. So just go listen to it, um, <laughs> um, and, uh, a, um, and it and he does an ex does an excellent job. Um, a so this this Twitter tiff was in my head <laughs> um, when I was listening to Stephen, and um, and I realized. Um, (laughs) that uh, um, that he uh, uh, for someone who doesn't understand this distinction we just made um, about what total depravity actually means that 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 episode could be could be heard as if it was a denial of total depravity because he he explicitly says that um, that we uh, that that there's this there's this thinking that it's more Christian to uh, to to think that humans are inherently evil or that they're as bad as they could be. He says that might not be an exact quote, but he says something very much like that. Um, and um, uh, and so. So I was uh, uh, I I was I was listening to that with this conversation in my mind and thinking that it's uh, that that could easily be misunderstood and and a a reformed person or a Calvinist could could hear that and think ah oh, well see there's the problem with adopting anarchy is not taking sinfulness seriously when actually it's the exact opposite. He's actually he's applying total privity correctly because it's not about the how bad or how um, the the magnitude of the effect of sin on, on the human race. That's not what total privity is about. It's about the pervasiveness and the and the extent to which the the um, that how all parts of the human are marred by sin, so that even when uh, even when humans set out to rule other humans. Um, even when humans are are set aside to uh, set aside as magistrates, even, even when when humans are commissioned to seek the greater good, that that um, and and even if you were to select only the best people or only the wisest people only the most intellectual people are, uh, that, that all of those things are that, that they're still subject to the pervasive effects of sin, <coughs> which is, um, which is why a, a Christian understanding of, of total depravity is what gets you something like checks and balances, which is, <laughs> is what, um, what gets you ideas of limited government, and uh, we've we've talked about the book *The Emergence of Freedom in the Modern World*, where where it's a short book where he goes through um, and and shows how historically that case is very strong, that uh, um, that Calvin <laughs> is how uh, uh, that Calvin's in- theological influence is. Is how you got separation of powers and and limited government um, in especially the English speaking world, um, but it's so so that it, it's that that correct that correct understanding uh, of total depravity actually actually does favor favor this position and. Uh, favor a a limited government and we would argue even an anarchist um, position because we're um, we're understanding the that that the influence of sin is so uh, so pervasive as to reach even the best intentions even even if, um, even if you could somehow ensure that you're only picking the best people or only picking the people with the most technical expertise in a thing, and you're only letting them speak to the thing that they have technical expertise on. Let's talk about the last 20 months. <laughs> um, I, I, that, um, that because Because evil is like leaven, (laughs) um, you're not going to be able to get, you're not gonna, you're not going to be able to cordon off a a a, anything that is influenced by humans from the effects of evil. So, so the best you can do, the (laughs) reform tradition has has always held the best you can do is decentralize to have, to have different loci of, uh, of governance. And so, that, so that one of the most important ways to do that is to respect the sovereignty of the different spheres of government, respect the family, respect the church, respect, respect the individual, respect property rights, um, and, and the civil magistrate has its own limited role respecting, um, the roles within those, those spheres, but, um, but it's also that the, uh, um, but it, but it's also that that you set up a system where ambition checks ambition, where um, where where one um, strand of evil doesn't um, doesn't get to run roughshod over all of humanity all of all of 30 million people all of 300 million people um that um that uh that you that you cordon off leaven so to speak that you that you're're um, you're, you're, you're putting in fire breaks um, and and so anyway so this is um, and and so that was the that was the fundamentally reformed, fundamentally well- grounded in Christian doctrine way that for instance, the United States founding and uh, it's in the Canadian founding too. It's just not as explicit (laughs) um, uh, in some ways, but, uh, um, but the, uh, um, the, uh, so, so that was, that was the, Explicitly grounded in basically total depravity, founding of the United States, um, and then, and then that's why the perversion of FDR, Wilson before him, the Progressive Era, generally, where, where all of a sudden, so I was listening to um, Jeff Dyce's program. Uh, the human action podcast where where he was talking about how FDR comes in and he's suddenly talking about how um, Congress, the president and uh, and uh, the Supreme Court are like uh, a team of three oxen that are yoked together and they they're supposed to be all pulling in the same direction. but now you've got the Supreme Court pulling in a different direction from Congress and the president. So we've got <laughs> um, we, to bring that ox into line and make sure it's pulling the same direction, which is obviously the exact opposite of what, <laughs> how that was supposed to work. Uh, if it, um, you, don't need, you don't need a Supreme Court to share the load with the other two branches. You need a Supreme Court to stop them. <laughs> when they need to be stopped <laughs> um, and so so anyway um, this is um, uh, this is this is all just to say that that uh, it's not it's not a utopian and, and this, this is this is where where we can also say. Um, Anarchism is not a utopian vision because because we're we're not expecting a to usher in a sinless reality and and that that's what we're that's what we're counting on. Um, what it, it it is recognizing the inescapability of sin and and asking ourselves what is, um, what is the human system that can handle inescapable sin, um, uh, bringing bringing the least harm, the least evil, with the with the least ability to propagate evil throughout human society. What system is that? <laughs> and uh, um, and and so and and we we think that it's a a system that doesn't uh, far from wanting to throw out throw out rules and and have a a lawless society. Um, it's one where uh, even even the rulers have rules, even the lawmakers have laws uh, that that uh um, that uh, where where we we actually we actually apply um, the doctrine of total depravity and the expectations of of the the pervasiveness of evil to we apply consistently to every part of the society not not assume a special class that uh, that these concepts don't apply to so anyway sorry that was that was uh, a <laughs> um, that was my extended. Excursus on uh, <laughs> on um, um, how that whole Twitter kerfuffle um, connects um, to anarchism through the excellent Anarcho-Christian podcast.
0: All right, shall we get into the Cambridge Declaration? <laughs>
1: I think I, I think at some point we should get around to that. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh
0: So that's um uh That's good that's good conversation. I'm, and I'm going to excerpt that as a bonus. Um yeah. It was very good. So that'll be episode So thanks for tuning in to episode 44.5. Uh now back to episode 44. <laughs> uh
1: <laughs> which, which which when we started it, we said we were recording on the 20th anniversary of uh, of the Lord of the Rings, uh, of the Fellowship of the Ring, uh, releasing in theaters. Um, and and since we have uh, since we have gone on, has become untrue for both of us.
0: <laughs> wow, no, it's fine. Uh,
1: I'll, I'll I'll cut it
0: strategically. It'll be fine.
1: Okay. Um,
0: so uh